Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and video show which brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. If you're new to the channel, please subscribe so you won't miss a new episode. I'm your host, Fritz Bussemaker, and today I'm delighted and privileged to have a conversation with Kim Polman. Kim, welcome to the program. Well, thank you so much, Fritz, for inviting me. Allow me to introduce Kim Polman. Born in the U.S., but currently lives in the U.K. with her husband, Paul. Now, she's been an environmentalist for many decades, is a fellow of the Aspen Institute, co-founder of the Kilimanjaro Blind Trust, a charity dedicated to the literacy for blind and visually impaired, co-founder of Reboot the Future Foundation, and co-curated the book called Imaginary Cells, Vision for Transformation, a collection of essays from thought leaders and change agents and more books to come, which we'll cover later in the show. So again, Kim, thank you so much for joining us with The Brand Called You. Now, the brand you give yourself, if I read up on your background, is you call yourself an environmentalist, something you claim to have been for over the last decades. What does that mean? Well, that's actually a big word. <laughs> I would say that I, I grew up in the 60s and, this, and uh, was already an adult in the 70s. And so I, I recall the first Earth Day. I lived out in the country, so I was always very close to nature. Um, we, t we went to the state parks and the national parks. And so I've always loved and appreciated nature and uh, read Rachel Carson's book, Silent Spring, and Schumacher's book, um, Small is Beautiful, and these kinds of books at the time when they were still new ideas. Uh, I did not become a scientist, nor an activist, nor a politician. I'm just a regular person who, who has always cared about the environment. Um, but like most of us, even in that generation, we just went on with with things as they were being presented to us um, by producers of, of, of all the goods that we consume. Mm -hmm. So uh, not ever having been a huge, huge consumer, but living a normal life that was normal for what we all realized when we hit COVID. Oh gosh, you know, we all started asking ourselves, what have we been doing? Um, so, environmentalist from a, from just from the position that I have always really cared about about nature and 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 the life on earth personal experience yeah now caring about nature how does caring about nature as you just described that translate to co-curating this book imaginary cells because this is quite a fascinating book with stories and essays from some really, really powerful people from around the world. So how, yeah, so how, how, do, you, how do you take on some, a project like that? Well, it was just a fluky thing. I wasn't looking to publish a book, but I met my co-author, Stephen Vasconcellos, and uh, he was putting, a, he had a magazine at the time and was wanted to make a, a book format of interviewing people about leadership and and I said to him well you know we've got in our house 
every book that's been written on leadership. (laughs) So let's do something different. And I proposed that we asked um, the leaders we were going to approach to write about the golden rule because they are actually living the golden rule, which is doing the, there's one version of it, uh, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. There's many versions of it, but that's one. Um, and uh, he said, yes. So we, we started approaching people. Um, let me just start with, with the imaginal. It's imaginal, actually, not imaginary, excuse me. Um, and imaginal is the pr- correct biological pronunciation, which is the cell that's innate in the caterpillar that holds the vision of the butterfly okay so in it's already existing but it's dormant in the caterpillar and for us that dormant cell that is in us humans as well as all mammals actually is that uh, we care for others it's it is the golden rule um we we give birth as mammals to babies that are helped totally, utterly helpless for a very, very long time. So we nourish them both with food and, and teaching them. And so uh, this is about the, the core value that is born within us. And as we activate that in our lives, um, we become more empathetic, more compassionate, um, and more understanding of other people, more tolerant, uh, more patient. Um, and we have better relationships. So, so this is the, the, the why we call it imaginal cell. We do say imaginal, just yeah. to make it yeah. link to that yeah. word imagination, yeah. um, is because um, it, it, it can be a driver of change, of transformation. If more and more and more of us are having this, living this every day in our lives and making choices, uh, yeah. the right choices to, to love each other more, and to love all of life, the planet. So we, we actually have a, a, a modern version of the golden rule, which is treat others and the planet as you would wish to be treated. So we want to embrace all life. And humans have been so egocentric for since we planted the first seed. It, we, we, it was about controlling nature. And we were just taking over too much. There's too, too many people too too much pressure too much consumerism now there there are a lot of people out there in this world who fully would agree with you who are trying to take initiatives to um, well reboot the world uh, i would say the future in your own words Uh, nevertheless they might want to uh, reach out to the same uh, people uh, but i mean the contribution includes desmond tutu um, uh, mohammed yunus Al Gore. Uh, I mean, there's some very well-known names. So you cannot just pick up the phone and say, hey, do you want to be part of this? I mean, or is it having that original idea of imaginal cells that is that enough to convince people, yeah, you want to contribute to this? So how do you motivate people to spend their time on this? Well, it was my husband was helpful in making some of okay. these contacts. And then um, Stephen, my partner, through his magazine, had already made some of the contacts. So between the two of us um, and some of the people I knew myself as well. So between the two of us, we were able to reach out. And if 
it was published at the end of 2016. And if you recall, that was right after the Paris Agreement, yeah. the climate, and also the SDGs, the new Sustainable Development Goals were announced at that time. Um, and then the Pope simultaneously came out with his encyclical on climate change, which I'm not Catholic, but it did inspire me because he actually uh, is trying to encourage uh, all his readers and he hoped all the people of the world would read his book. Um, yeah. And I thought, you know, I agree with this. He, he embraced all of life and is urging all people to, to live not only for themselves, not only for their neighbors, but for all of life. And I really like that idea, which has really inspired me. And so I actually reduced his book to a few paragraphs and sent this to our potential authors um, as the introduction to the idea. And I don't know, perhaps that was what compelled them okay. to, it resonated certainly with all of them because they all are very caring people. It just seemed a moment to uh, introduce this idea of the golden rule to the world. It was a little bit early. I, I recall launching it at Davos at mm -hmm. the World Economic Forum in tw January 2017. And people were just stunned that anyone would come there into this, you know, very corporate environment and, um, and talk about a very spiritual idea like this. But in fact, although it is spiritual, it, all, it is also so basically human. And what I loved most in my, my research was to learn that actually neuroscience proves that this is what really makes us happy <laughs> uh, and content in our lives is when we're serving others and thinking of other people and not just ourselves. Good to be aware, because for me, the lesson learned also to those people out there listening to this, that once you have that original idea, that idea, you can actually move mountains and get people behind that idea. If you believe this and uh, yeah, share this with the world. Well, what I what I learned since doing this yeah. is that if <laughs> I, I only meet pe amazing people now who who live like this, like attracts like, and yeah. my words, um, I don't manage to be successful every day of my life, but I try. And uh, I, I, it, you just find each other. And that's the whole concept behind the imaginal cell that's when, when he's in the, when the caterpillar is decaying in the cocoon, this activates uh, the, the stew that is mm -hmm. being created, activates the imaginal cell. And they, the, the old way of doing things starts to attack this new way um, that's coming alive, but they find the, the, the different um, agonal cells that have come alive find each other and they cluster. And they, they are become more powerful than them than the old way. So the more of us that are living this golden rule, yeah. we become more powerful and we overcome the old way of doing things and it's a real challenge right now to to have that hope because there's a lot of things going yeah. on in the world right now uh, uh there's a big challenge uh, but uh, this also resonates uh, with me uh talking to a number of uh, i would say futurologists in this world who talk about we're in this era of uh, chaos 
And what you're describing is actually that in that RF case, you still are going to have these uh, cells reconnecting and rebuilding the future. Yes. So that's the pessimistic, optimistic view on uh, we, we will uh, get out of this and become a beautiful butterfly. Yeah, yeah. that's the idea. <laughs> yeah. Now, if I look at what you're doing with Rebuild the Future, um, maybe you can explain to the audience what exactly are your, 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 your key activities there? Well, we work a lot in education. We have a very strong program um, that uh, we have a network, a, a website called Global Dimension. And uh, that's a resource for teachers to tap into that is a, it's a platform for all kinds of educational materials that different organizations produce. And we do a lot with them as well. And, and uh, we, we've produced a, a, a book with Jonathan Porritt and uh, that's made been made into a film called Rise Up, and then okay. we created educational materials about it. That was last year, and it's to help help young people um, realize that they can do something. There's a lot of anxiety among young people, eco anxiety, and so this is a hopeful uh, message that yes, we do. We are in a dire position. We can't just sit back, but we encourage them to do all kinds of things. And hey, you know, if you if you embed, if you imbibe this uh, golden rule within you, and that will help you make the mm -hmm. right choices, and then you influence other people to make those right choices. So uh, that's what that was all about. Um, so there's uh, all, we also reach um, older university students with a master class, uh, which is a two day or three day. Um, um, deep dive into the golden rule and we're going to be taking that online this year um, as well we uh, are, are this year publishing a book called values or uh, maybe we want to wait that till later yeah, no no that's fine uh, so i i realized that uh, values for a life economy um and that that came because of uh, during COVID, yeah. we did a lot. Of, one big thing that we do are conversations. So we have different types of conversations. And the, the first year of COVID, we we partnered with two other organizations, and ran a whole series of ten online conversations in a fishbowl style. Uh, and we we the goal of it was to remember to think about what we were learning during COVID, as you recall, yeah. it was quite an astonishing moment for the whole world to be really thinking about it. And now that we're kind of back to normal, um, mm -hmm. we're forgetting those lessons. So the book captures those lessons and the thought process that was taking place at that time. But also what it led to was a manifesto uh, with 10 values that we think uh, it's a fuller explanation of the golden rule and it really uh, defines um, those choices that I keep talking about, yeah. you know, how we treat yeah, youth, how we empower them, how we love each other, how we love the planet, um, you know, what we're going to commit to in, in our economy, um, things like that. So uh, there's 10 values and um, then we have 10 people with, with contributors again to each okay. of those yeah. topics. And, 
and what are uh, what are the main uh, what, what are the most relevant most important values as far as you're concerned well our core core message is loving each other and love the planet okay and then the rest of it kind of defines that working in partnership. So during, it was very interesting during these conversations uh, online, we had um, different sectors. So finance, education, arts, um, environment, um, science and spirituality. Um, yeah, there were others. And some very common themes were coming up and from in all of those sectors and everybody was just really, really wanted more compassion in the world, more collaboration, a, a different definition of what success is uh, besides money, growth, you know, let's, we have to rewrite this narrative on growth. Yeah, because that's, uh, I mean, a, a question that you triggered me a question like, is your role, do you see yourself like uh, uh, preaching a new way we should look at the world? Or uh, on the other hand, I also hear you describe a role like a catalyst, where you just uh, initiate something to happen, but people then themselves find out, okay, this is actually what I should be doing. So, yeah, of course, we, we don't want to be preaching. Exactly. Um, we do promote the golden yeah. role as a basis, but of course, that stimulates a lot of discussion okay. and yes very much catalytic thought. Yeah, so if you uh, promote the golden rule if you create a, awareness around that these are a very much essential steps to change the world but it's just a part of the solution so how do you fit in with the rest of all the organization society to reach that end goal how, how do you see so let, let's just take the uh, the sustainable development yeah, goals okay. they're very very technical and, but what was missing was the motivation. There have been a lot of proposals for an 18th SDG. Rather than creating an 18th SDG, what we did was, um, you, I see you've got the SDG pin. And I was looking for it, it's, it's missing from my desk because I was gone for a week. Yeah. But we, we took the SDG circle and put the golden ring around it because for us, the motivation is living the golden rule. We can fulfill all of those SDGs if enough, enough of us live the golden rule. That's the motive, the simplest okay. motivation. Well, the SDGs are going to be valid until 2030 and they're going to be replaced uh, just like they replaced the millennium goals by new, I would assume, uh, goals. So who knows, those will be incorporated in the next version. Yeah. Yeah, we don't, there's so many people fortunately working on technical solutions. Um, and, you know, it's, you know, we're, you know, my husband is involved in trying to increase that and make, have a larger, larger impact. Um, but we will all get there faster if we're really motivated by the, in, in the right way. It's, it's quite as simple and that, and that re requires a systemic change. So if, again, if you get all these people, we call them imaginals, mm -hmm. people, people who are living the golden rule, um, both in their professional and their, their personal lives, um, they are all imaginals. And the more of us there are. Okay, how do, you, how do you recognize these people? Can you recognize them? What do they say? What do they do? 
well, they're generous first in their mm-hmm. hearts <laughs> and they care deeply. Uh, there's, they, they are uh, trying to find solutions to these problems. They're not seeking um, self-glory. They're mm-hmm. not seeking money for themselves. Mm-hmm. They are not arrogant. Um, they're working in collaboration with others because we, we can't do this. No, no, no one sector or no one person or no one country or no one organization can do this on their own. It's more complex working in collaboration, but we can't, we're just so, the world is so intertwined. So the, the, the ecological yeah. systems are so intertwined and then humanity is so intertwined and our economic systems are so intertwined. Anything we do has ripple effects. So what kind of ripples do we want to create? Good ones or bad ones? It comes down to a choice every day. Do we want to be helpful or do we want to be hurtful? Okay. It's as simple so, as that. And the, so, and the imagine, imaginal people are wanting to be helpful. They've chosen for that. I, I got it. Now, in this context, how would you define success? What does success mean for you? How does it look like? Well, I know we all need money to live, mm-hmm. um, but we, we don't all need, we don't need huge amounts of money. And um, success has been for so long defined by money and being, been a driver for so much things, but it's led to very bad behavior and abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, you never have enough, you know, if that's what you're after, you never have enough. So uh, that's not measure of success. Um, measures of success is also not about climbing a corporate ladder. Uh, there, there's, you know, in fact, very few people actually do. So think about all the rest of the people. They, that, that's not what success is. So I think for, for success is doing, doing the things that you love to do, um, both professionally and, I mean, so many people have to work, they don't love their jobs. Let's try to make the jobs more lovable. I think if you're a leader in an organization, you can do that. You have that ability to make people's jobs more lovable, more meaningful. Um, then another measure of success for me is being surrounded by the people who I love, who who I love, and who mm-hmm. love me. Um, that's that's the true joy for me. And then uh, being able to help in a positive way, whatever that is. You know, whether you're a, a Sunday school teacher or a classroom teacher, inspiring your students, or um, whether you are um, an efficient person working on the on the grocery store, you know, um, running the all the products. What do you call them? The cashiers. <laughs> you know, whatever it is you're doing, you do it uh, to the to, to a high level of 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 um, skill. Um, it it. it to be the leader in your family, the leader on your soccer team, um, whatever it is you love to do, and then helping others be successful along the way that are doing it with you. I think that's success. And 
Thank you for the answer, by the way, Kim. Um, are there any role models in your life or people you draw or, or where do you draw your inspiration from and who are role models for you? You know, I, others, it would be hard mm -hmm. to, to list them because um, uh, there's so many people that have been influencing me. Um, I mean, early on in my life and actually through most of my adulthood, I was quite um, an adherent to a, a religion and it was so love-based and I learned so much from that. Uh, my mother was such a great example of that. Um, I, but I've read so many books and been so inspired by so many books, so many people that I've met. I can't, I can't really... You know. <laughs> so would that uh, be your advice to uh, people uh, watching and listening to this is talk to a lot of people because everybody's going to be able to give you some kind of advice and you can learn from them? Yeah, I think I, I think if you're if you want to think about what your own values are and what what makes you feel good and and be around those kinds of people. And if there are people, um, that are, are not positive influences, then, you know, you don't have to hang around with them. Yeah. Um, and, and for a young person in, in a job, uh, what I've told my sons many times uh, as they've complained about their bosses, uh, I've said, <laughs> it must be, I mean, it's, I guess it's pretty difficult to be a good boss, but I said, write down what you didn't like about those bad bosses and commit to not doing that. Likewise, write down what you do like about your good bosses and model that behavior. Commit to living like that. If when, Once you become a boss and are managing other people, I think we, we live through those experiences. And if it's a bad boss, you're just kind of surviving, but you're not really thinking specifically about what it is. And I, I, I because I do love the golden rule, okay. I would say really think about that. <laughs> I, I have to ask you as a parent as well, do they listen to your advice in this case? Whether they actually wrote it down, I don't know. But uh, I know that they're all in their careers trying to be the best people that they, they can be. And, you know, we have to keep yeah. learning. Yeah. We, we have to keep being curious um, and listening very carefully. So the golden rule has three parts to it. Mm -hmm. The first one is listening deeply to another person. Um, it seems like, oh, I know already because that's kind of what the golden rule says. I might know because what, but I, I know what I want. Maybe you want the same thing, but in fact, they, they might be needing something else at a different time. So listen deeply. And then secondly, have courage because sometimes um, when we're living the golden rule, we need to challenge a traditions that might be in a corporation or, or, or religion even, or in your family, that is, there might be traditions that are actually hurtful. So it takes courage to challenge those. And then thirdly, take action. Um, so uh, it's, you don't, empathy, you know, you kind of sit back and, and listen and not necessarily do anything, but the golden rule takes it a step farther and, and requires you to, to take action. So um, yeah, I would, encourage any person to get that understanding.
And then ask yourself every day, am I being helpful or hurtful? Allow yourself to have an epiphany. There's one great book I read. Um, what was your epiphany then? What was my epiphany? <sighs> you, you, you asked me before, um, what did I fail at? Yeah. <laughs> and um, what was the big lesson that I learned? And it's about communication. I, I think my epiphany was learning that I really need to learn more about how to communicate better. And it, it's listening, but then it's also being able to explain, to understand how I feel and what I need and what I feel. Those are two different things. And, um, and then being able to explain that so another person can understand me. It's communication, it just astounds me how difficult it is for us humans to communicate. <laughs> I go out in the forest and I hear the birds and yeah. I, I wonder, you know, do they yeah. have problems communicating with each other? Or do dogs have problems communicating yeah. with each other? Or whales? The whales, I was reading about sperm whales, they have an incredibly sophisticated communication system. Do they get, you know, do they stumble and misinterpret? I, I don't know. It's so, it's one of the most difficult things between us. So, and what I'm also hearing you saying, maybe that's the epiphany I got uh, from talking to you right now, Kim, is that uh, despite all the technology we have, which allows us to communicate on a global level, uh, it's not about that technology, it's about, okay, what are you sharing with each other and are you listening? Now, the, what you're describing, that seems like, uh, you could say, a complete job. Uh, full, uh, you can be full-time employed working on these, this very big, hairy, audacious goal, but you also still run uh, the Kilimanjaro Blind Trust. Oh, I don't run it. <laughs> uh, oh, sorry. Okay. But you're involved. You set, you set it up. Um, yeah, we co Paul and I um, co-founded yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, in well, back in like 2008-ish, around okay. there, we were busy with this. And, but we have a team on the ground. It's based in Nairobi, Kenya, and we service uh, five or six uh, countries around there. So there's a whole team that actually runs it. We're we're just on the board. <laughs> okay. And uh, I mean, I have a very personal interest in Kilimanjaro because for about 10 years, I had a map of the Kilimanjaro in my room as a student oh. with this dream to once climb that mountain. I haven't made okay. it yet. Okay. And I was just wondering, what was the link? Uh, why is it called the Kilimanjaro Blind Trust? Yeah, that's because I think it was 2005. Uh, my husband went with two of our sons to climb it. We have three sons and two were able to go and they went with um, eight blind people. Yep. So there were two sighted people per blind uh, climbing this mountain. And I believe five or six of the blind people made it. I didn't go. Um, and while they were um, coming down or at the bottom, they stopped at a couple of villages that had schools for the blind and they visited them and saw that the conditions were rather sad and that they didn't have really the materials to become literate. They were just kind of holding these kids and doing the best they could without resources. So um, 
uh, we decided, uh, Paul actually was highly motivated to do something. He's a doer. And so we set up uh, the Kilimanjaro Blind Trust in honor of that journey and um, blind, obviously, because we're serving the blind and then trust mm -hmm. because the blind people have to trust. It's not a trust in a legal sense. It's mm -hmm. that, that blind okay. people need to trust the people around them a lot. And so what we do with that is provide the tools that students need to become fully literate so that they can become well-educated and actually um, do really fulfilling jobs and be contributors to society. Well done. Uh, what I do notice if I look at that initiative, this initiative, the Kilimanjaro Blind Trust and the Reboot of Future, one I would describe as very conceptual and the other very much um, uh, operational, hands down. Of a hands, a hands on. Is that a coincidence or uh, a deliberate choice? Um, oh, no. Uh, we, start, we started the Kilimanjaro Blind Trust first. So uh, that is a, a big reflection of, of Paul because he's such a doer. Um, and then the conceptual reboot the future is because of of me realizing that the world really, really needs this huge motivational principle. Uh, there needs to be a shift in our thinking and how we met, well, your question is very pertinent, how, how to measure success. That has to change this idea of growth, constant growth as being a measure of success. GDP, that has to all change. Population growth, um, that drives that kind of thing has to all change. It's huge systemic change and we won't get there until motivations of individuals, but also of organizations and nations change. Now, the opposite of success you just talked about is failure. Um, mm. Can you describe what are your biggest failures or mistakes and what did you learn from them? Yeah, I touched on that a little bit. Uh, yeah about the communication. Um, yeah. There were some um, communication breakdowns <clears throat> in some relationships and uh, that caused to have a, a lot of consequences. So that were very negative. And so, yeah, the first thing was to, you know, try to see how, how we can reconnect and listen. Yeah, and try to understand communication yeah. is just so key in all of this <laughs> it's a good lesson to learn now yeah. uh, we've almost run out of time can um i want to thank you so much for sharing your insights on the work you're doing uh imaginal cells i'll remember to pronounce it correctly this time reboot the future uh what uh, at the end what would your advice be to young people uh, outside what you've already shared with us look if you want to follow, uh, you could say, lead your life, what would you recommend people to do? I would say think um, really deeply about what, what your values are, what you care about. Uh, be, be conscious of, of what you believe in your personal life. And can can you live that? Is your company letting you live that? In, in, and if you can, I know that's extremely difficult because there's a whole 
you know, huge thing around, you know, system around you, but, you know, each one can have an influence on their team. Do I have time for one story? Sure. Okay. So I met this um, young man who worked for McKenzie uh, when I met him and McKenzie's a pretty, pretty tough culture, very competitive, uh, very much about growth, you know, the, this old kind of, um, of corporate attitude. Well, he was telling me that he learned from a mentor that kindness, compassion, love, expressing love for his, with his team was super important and was encouraged by this mentor he had. And so <laughs> he had this fantastic system with his team that was different than the other teams around him. And um, so he wasn't, he, he, because of his position, he couldn't change the whole corporate attitude, but he could affect the way he ran his team. And it, was, it made a real big difference. They were obviously very productive, highly motivated, um, successful, and that they were able to do their jobs very well. So that uh, was just a little example to me of, well, big example actually, of someone who, who had the courage to find their own way in a system that promoted actually um, the other kinds of values. So. I, I would say have, have the courage in whatever position you're in to have that positive influence and make life better for the people around you. Have the courage and keep on listening to all those stories. Once you recognize them, they're all over the place. Yeah, keep growing. Keep, there's so many beautiful books out there. Surround yourself with beauty. <laughs> yeah. Kim. Again, thank you so much for sharing your insights. This was a brand called You with Kim Pullman. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you for listening to the brand called You videocast and podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience, and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website, www.tbcy.in, to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.